Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle L. Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. It is that time again, more specifically, 11 a.m. Eastern time for Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com. A pleasure to have all of you on board. Kyle Alfrink on this side, Ray Flowers on that side. Today is a momentous day, uh, January 25th, 2024, a day. We're in the city of Los Angeles. It's, uh, it's not the Dodgers. It's not LeBron. It's not the Lakers. Hell, it's not even the Rams that are leading the sports pages Ray, we never get to say this, but the Chargers. The Chargers are the big news in town in Los Angeles. Well, you know, I mean, I guess they deserve it. It's a a port in the storm, as they say, right? It's an opportunity for the Chargers to hopefully rise above the concerns and the issues they have dealt with recently. They've dealt with issues with the draft class, with the team, obviously with the coaching, losing all those close games. They think they might have solved that issue, I guess, Kyle. Jim Harbaugh making the move from uh, Michigan to L.A. We will discuss here on FSD. What else do we got for you? Football and baseball. That's what we've got for you. You see the bolts snagging Harbaugh. We'll uh, do a championship playoff weekend check-in. About the only news now is who's going to be in, who's going to be out. So we'll get you rundowns on uh, critical guys like uh, Debo Samuel. Uh, Mark Andrews, even Isaiah Pacheco dealing with a bit of an issue. Uh, the guy on top of me over here on the images, uh, Ray Flowers, is a stud in his one-and-done league. Uh, Ray is coming off of a massive weekend, but can he do it again this weekend? Uh, we'll give you some early thoughts on the one-and-done leagues that we've been talking about throughout the playoffs. Uh, we will continue our discussion of wide receivers this week. We will talk about the names that are headed into free agency, and there are some big ones. Now, remember, there are franchise tags that can be thrown, but some big decisions to be made, and maybe not as deep as the running back class, but certainly some guys at the top that could find some new homes in 2024 and beyond. Then we will uh, sneak back into baseball. Obviously, we've been telling you about the 2024 Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide that Ray Flowers and the crew has put together. Uh, More coming your way on that, including today, where we will talk about the Waste of time, I don't know, we'll let Ray tell us, uh, of overall rankings, which uh, people pretty well print in every single magazine, and they're all over the internet, but Ray hates them. We'll tell you why coming up, and we'll continue our breakdown of all things catchers, uh, something that is unique to this catcher position, two catcher leagues, uh, which I don't even know, Ray, what do you think the percentage is of two catcher leagues anymore? You you love polls. Have you... Have you run one lately? That's a great question that I didn't look into before the show started. I haven't run one this year. Uh, Let's quickly look. I would say, if I had to guess, I'd say probably less than 50% just off the top of my head because it's a a third of leagues. It sounds like everyone kind of went away from that and just said, go to hell. Uh, Here we go. I ran a poll last year. Let's see what we got here. Oh, it's totally wrong on that, Kyle. I ran a poll last year in January, almost 23rd, almost a year ago exactly. Uh, That league had... Zero catchers, 3% of leagues. So 3% of leagues just forget <laughs> catchers. Two catchers was 21%. One catcher was 76 Wow. I'm old school, Ray. I'm in two catcher leagues everywhere pretty well. That's kind of what I've pretty been Pretty much in. everyone I'm in is a two catcher league too. Yeah. Uh, this year, though, you might want to be in a two catcher league. We'll discuss, but for the first time in a while, we're getting some depth at this position. It's kind of becoming like the tight end. In the NFL, uh, starting to get some young guys who can actually do something besides call a game. They can actually win a game with their bat. Uh, so we'll break it down, kind of strategies and 
maybe the depth at the position as we get ready for 2024. Um, as always, Ray Flowers, now is your uh, one minute to uh, tell us why we all need to jump on board with the Fantasy Guru Baseball Draft Guide. Because it's the best thing ever. Boom! <laughs> oh, two seconds. Excellent. Yeah. Hey, let's go, Kyle. Uh, no, I mean, I think that I think we do things a little differently at fantasyguru.com, which I'm proud of. We do it in football, and I think we, we try to do it in baseball, too. And, you know, the, you can find, as Kyle mentioned earlier this week, you can find, and they're coming out, you know, the, the sleepers and bus and the targets and avoid stuff, the stuff you're used to. But we also try to do a little bit of a different angle on things. And right now we're doing a, a lot of reviewing. And what I like to do in the reviewing is not just say who hit these home runs or who stole these bases or won these games last year. It's to look at the skills below that. And a lot of times we're looking at the skills below that and we're comboing the skills up. It's great to know who strikes guys out, but who also avoids the walk. It's great to know who strikes guys out and avoids the walk, but who also gets grounders, right? So we try to put things together and start creating uh, categories or buckets, if you will, of players to target, right? Because a lot of people say, well, Ray, I have got the rankings, but let's drill a little bit deeper. That's a lot of what we're doing right now. Uh, as we move forward here, we're going to get a lot more rankings updates, uh, and we'll start to move into player profiles, which I know Kyle likes. Uh, and back in the day, I got a couple of awards on the shelf uh, for that back in the day. But uh, basically, you know, 1,200, 1,500 awards on single players, so a lot more deep diving. All of that from the preseason is included. If you move through the season, it's all included as well. So it's called the Draft Guide, but it's the entire 2024 Major League Baseball season that we cover. Use that promo code FSD20 to get you a discount on that. Uh, and as well, you get Discord access, so you can ask questions. We can go back and forth. Uh, any kind of podcast or anything else we do there, uh, you get as well. And then, of course, you have access to this show, whether or not you choose to subscribe to the baseball. I told you a minute, Ray. I know. Not not a minute, 40. I was about ready to start the Oscar music running in the background to tell you. to. No, I kid. I, I tried to do it in three seconds, and you gave me crap. So I no, 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 no. I, I, <laughs> I'm joking. People like to know more. They, they like to hear from Ray Flowers. Usually I'm the one eating up the time. Uh, we'll get to baseball in a bit. Let's start with football. Ray, let's start in L.A. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, now the second Harbaugh to be in the NFL again. Obviously, you saw him in San Francisco. Um, he, he was successful in San Francisco. I guess there was a little bit of uh, you know disagreement between him and what was it? Trent Balky, was he the GM? I guess they didn't really see eye to eye, so it was kind of a natural parting of ways. Uh, so they moved on. San Francisco's obviously done well. Jim Harbaugh's obviously done well. It's been about a decade since he's been in the NFL. And and for our purposes, Ray, um, you know, it's a fantasy impact. And the difficulty here is this Chargers team and Chargers franchise is in a real flux because they're probably moving on from Austin Eckler. They're probably moving on from a guy like Mike Williams. You're going to bring in a totally new coaching staff. It, it's it's really difficult outside of saying, wow, Justin Herbert, it's good to see maybe he'll have some stability with the offense and, you know, a more proven head coach, so on and so forth. But until we see what the Chargers are going to do this offseason in the backfield out wide, it's kind of tough to, to make any grand proclamations about these guys. It is. I think that more than anything, the, the Chargers feel good now about they think they have a direction, right? And they think they have someone that can lead the ship in that direction. I thought you were going to mention Keenan Allen, too. We've talked about him previously. It's uncertain. Are they going to yeah. pay him? You know, he's an aging player. So, you know, this is a team in flux. But if you're a head coach, I mean, I've said this many times, San Diego is beautiful. Like, it's a great place to be. Uh, you've got Justin Herbert. And despite the ups and downs in the fantasy space, I think that he's clearly a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. 
He could be better than that. That's very attractive to a head coach because we all know it's extremely difficult to win consistently without a quarterback in the football in the NFL these days. So there are pieces here, but to your point, there's front office upheaval. There, you know, the, 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 the uh, general manager, that situation, you know, the whole thing is, is in a scenario where I don't think Carbaugh comes in and it gets worse. I don't know how much better it gets in year one, but at least they've got a new direction. Um, Ray, Mike McCoy, Anthony Lynn, and Brandon Staley. Those were the three previous coaches who all shared um, at least, well, I guess they shared a variety of attributes. They all got fired. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how it usually works. Uh, but also all three of those guys, um, McCoy, Lynn, and Staley, had never been a head coach before taking the job with uh, the Chargers, whether in San Diego or Los Angeles. So this is the first hire since Norv Turner in 2007. It's the first time the Chargers have hired a coach who's been a head coach. Um, and, and this this franchise, Ray, they've kind of been – they're not bad. Yeah. You know, they're always middle of the pack, it seems. Yeah. In some years you think they're going to make a boost, and they've made some you know AFC championships. And obviously there was the Super Bowl when they just got mauled by San Francisco a number of years ago. But – Overall, it's just kind of been a franchise that has never really had a history. I mean, they have a history, but now, Ray, you're leaving San Diego. You're going to L.A. You're playing in what many consider to be the Rams' home stadium. It's still a team and a franchise searching for an identity, and I, I don't uh, don't uh, c complain at all about this hire. I'm, not, you know, Jim Harbaugh is kind of tough to love. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, he's not a guy that I really anticipate enjoying a hangout session with, uh, but I don't fault the charges at all for making this move and at least doing something proactive and spending some money to, to actually provide a little legitimacy for their franchise. Yeah. Cause you know, Staley should he have gotten the job or not? I mean, he got the job and he, he sat there on the sidelines looking like this <laughs> and they lost every game by three points. I mean, that's, that's what happened for years now. Right. So they bring Harbaugh in. If they're losing games, Harbaugh's face is going to be red and he's going to be yelling and screaming. Like he's he totally different personality. Obviously, success in the NFL, success in college, that'll bring respect in the players in the locker room, right? Because of that experience there. And we'll see. And, you know, I, I always struggle with football in particular because there are multiple kinds of coaches. There's the Dan Campbell coaches, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And then there's Bill Belichick, who's just quite looking at it. There, you can succeed in different ways, right? But personality wise, Staley to Harbaugh is a pretty significant change. And I think it's what the Chargers needed. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Harbaugh off the market. There was a report today. Adam Schefter said that Bill Belichick may remain on the market all offseason. He may not have a landing spot. Uh, Mike Vrabel said to be interviewing with Carolina. I think he's also talked with Atlanta. So still some chips to fall, but uh, we'll see on Belichick. Uh, everybody seemed to be hot to trot to, to put him with Atlanta. Uh, for whatever reason, the Falcons haven't pulled that trigger. At this point, you kind of think, Maybe they're not going to pull the trigger if they haven't already. So we'll see with Bill Belichick, but uh, still some determinations to be made. Um, obviously, we're still trying to determine the uh, Super Bowl matchup. Uh, coming up this week, Sunday, we got Kansas City at Baltimore. We have Detroit at San Francisco. Uh, quick check on the latest spreads. Baltimore is favored by three and a half. Game total is 44 and a half. That is a three o'clock kickoff. Detroit, San Francisco, 49ers favored by a full seven points there. And the game total is 51. That is a 6.30 kickoff on Sunday night. And, Ray, there are some injuries here. Um, Debo Samuel, I, I gosh, is it 50-50? He, he didn't practice yesterday. We got the proverbial, oh, he's feeling better. Okay, but we really don't know with, with this injury. We, we know it's not a fracture. 
but that doesn't mean he's able to play this weekend. Absolutely not. And it's really, it's distressing that this is a continual thing with him. And we've talked about it. Everyone has, he plays hard. He doesn't avoid contact, all that kind of stuff, but he, he's got to be in the lineup. And you know, the Niners, we saw this against the Packers when they lose Debo, that the offense changes completely. He's a dynamic player. Even if he's not going for 120 yards and two touchdowns, just having him on the field is such a weapon. Mm-hmm. The Niners really need him, right? And we saw Brock Purdy struggle a little bit without that weapon. And we'll see, but it does appear right now that I think 50-50, my sense is that's kind of a best-case scenario. I, as we sit here right now, I'm kind of thinking he's not playing, and that's that's disheartening for the Niners. You know, I, I have the option in one and done, which we'll talk about in a bit, of, of Debo, Debo, Ayuk, and even Jawan Jennings. And, Ray, if Debo's out, I think Jawan Jennings, this is the week to play him, don't you? And, and it's no guarantee. I mean, right. When you get to this point in one and done, you're kind of throwing a few darts at positions where you're thin. And I'm not necessarily thin at wide receiver, but if Debo's out, I, I think this is the time to use him because two weeks from now, he's probably available for the Super Bowl. So Jennings, uh, in, even in DFS, I think would become a, a very popular play if Samuel is out. Yeah, he had five catches for 61 yards, I think it was last week. And he's, he's a good football player. He's not Debo Samuel. He can't be utilized the same way. He doesn't bring the same skills. There's no upside. Uh, to Juwan Jennings, but he's the next guy up. And he's, you know, you see it all the time. He's on the field a lot. He's a good blocker. Uh, the team trusts him. He's been here for years. So, yeah, he's got an opportunity to catch, you know, four, five, six passes if he's in the lineup and Debo's out. And I, I agree with you. I think that right now you set your one and done lineup. It's hard not to go Brandon Ayuk. It'd be hard not to go Brandon Ayuk anyway, even if Debo Samuel is back, because you're not, you're concerned about whether or not he's going to play a full complement of snaps if he plays. You're expecting the Niners to make the Super Bowl. But Jawan Jennings, not in my lineups right now, but I might make a pivot if indeed Debo's ruled out. Got some other issues uh, beyond Debo in San Francisco. Isaiah Pacheco had a DNP on a Wednesday toe injury. He says he's going to be fine. We'll see. Uh, doesn't look very good for the uh, KCO line. Joe Thurney, uh, Thuney, I think it is, uh, peck injury. He's more than likely out. We'll see. Uh, but Pacheco Ray, I guess uh, we'll, we'll plan on having him out there. He's been good. I mean, he's really been strong. We talked about it earlier in the week. That has given Kansas City, frankly, something they haven't had in previous years mm-hmm. where not only is he having a good season, but you kind of think, yeah, there's a future here. This is legitimate. They will give him the football 15 plus times a game. That's the guy he has become over the last two months with Kansas City. Yeah. And all those people just remember back, you know, five months ago, Jarek McKinnon, Jarek McKinnon. Well, we said it at the time, Jarek McKinnon's a, a gadget player. Uh, and you can you can certainly make the argument that the offense is no worse with Pacheco being so involved in Pacheco and McKinnon being out. I think you can make the argument that it's more balanced, as Kyle is saying. So it's actually better for the team. They're they're less distracted with trickery. Just give the ball to Pacheco and let him do his thing. Very good football player. Uh, lo- you you got to love watching him play. He plays mm-hmm. with energy and passion. And his, his knees are up and he's running into. I don't know how long his career is going to last, right? Because that's a tough mm-hmm. style of football to 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 you know run out with if you're not weighing 240 pounds. Uh, but I love watching him play, and he certainly has given them the boost on the ground that they need to augment a moderate passing attack that's successful, but not the same aerial attack we've seen in years past. We have got a, a strong collection of tight ends set to play this week, as long as we get them all out there. Mark Andrews is a full participant in practice. Pretty good sign for him. Uh, Sam Laporta didn't practice yesterday. I kind of feel, Ray, I could be wrong here, but I kind of feel it's a, you know, why push him at this yeah. point? He's playing at probably 80%. They got the Zach Ertz edition. Um, no word on if Ertz is going to play. I, I see that as an insurance policy, Ray. I, I still think 
Laporta is probably out there, even if he doesn't practice today or tomorrow. You know, I, I still think the plan is to have him out there. It'll be dangerous to count on him because of the nature of this injury, but I think he will dress come Sunday night. Yeah, if he doesn't dress, um, I'm going to have a real big issue as well everyone else with beat writers and such. Because no <laughs> one, I didn't see an injury occur on the field, right? A tweak that would, he wasn't limping around. No one reported anything after the game. No one's reported anything since. So I'm fully anticipating as you are, He's going to be out there. This is just the team, you know, monitoring reps because there's at this point, you know, studying the room in the film, you can get it done on the field without practicing. What do you have? Nine catches last week? I nine for 65 nine. yards, I think. Yeah. So totally involved there. Um, okay. Now we kind of look ahead to one and done. And, and Ray, as I noted, man, you and our, and Justin, you and Fitzerman, weren't you guys one and two? In we last were. Week? Yeah. How crazy is that? Um, what, what worked for you? Any, any like long shots that came through for you last week? My lineup wasn't even very good. Um, <laughs> Second best in the whole league. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jared Goff was solid. I'm looking at my lineup right now. Jared Goff was solid. Jameer Gibbs was solid. Isaiah Pacheco was solid. Mike Evans had a big day. Yeah. Uh, Jaden Reed, eight points. Rasheed Rice, big disappointment, nine points there. That was that. I could have had a huge game. Uh, Amon St. Brown had a good game. Travis Kelsey had a couple of touchdowns. Uh, and then Chase McLaughlin and the Ravens. Yeah. So... I, I think I, I'm assuming that I, number one, I had a really good score last week relative to everyone else because some people, the the wins and losses didn't go the way they expected on their brackets. Yeah. I'm also expecting it this week. A lot of people are going to have a lot of big weapons to utilize. So, you know, I don't know where I'm going to end up in this thing. Good week last week. Good positioning overall, but there's some concerns moving forward. Yeah, my, mine was rough. Um, even my guys who did best for like average performances, like I got 20.1 from Jared Goff, which is fine. But, you know, in something like this, you're looking to hit the quarterback when he gets 30 points. So I came up short there with Goff and I pulled the trigger on David Montgomery. He didn't do a thing in that game against Tampa. I had to go Dontavian Wicks. That was a big goose egg. So uh, it, it was rough. And really the first two weeks have been bad for me. I'm near the bottom. Ray is up near the top. I'm near the bottom. And we got probably, I don't know, 50 teams or so sitting in this league. Now, I was looking at, at building my team um, for this week, Ray. And I don't know about you, but my running backs are terrible. Well, I think like I, I am running out of, I got nothing to really turn to. It's, I do have McCaffrey. And, and I might use them this week just because I look at my lineup and it's so freaking bad unless I throw, okay. like, i'd love to have mccaffrey but i i need points man and so i might have to just take the chance and not save mccaffrey for the super bowl and just mm -hmm. go full throttle this week against detroit yeah looking at this i mean i i'm leaning toward playing gus edwards because if the ravens make it i'll still have justice hill see and i'm gonna kind play of, hill and save edwards <laughs> see that's kind of where we're at right because i agree with you. i have mccaffrey too and I, I, this is, I sat there and I, I submitted a lineup that I backed out and submitted it again. Like I'm trying, I'm in the same spot because it's like, even if the Niners lose, if McCaffrey doesn't get hurt, I mean, what's a, what's a bad game? 18 points. Like you, and, and how many of these running backs left? Can you look at and say a good game is 18 points, right? So it's mm -hmm. really tough not to play McCaffrey. Even if that means you go to the Super Bowl and it's Kyle Juszczyk. I mean, it's like, you can't miss out on the 30 points McCaffrey can score, right? So do you play it this week and get it? Do you hold off and then if they don't make the Super Bowl, if they lose this week, you get a you get you know use check this week and then a zero next week. Yeah, I'm leaning toward playing them, but it's a tough call. I um my tight ends, I'm still I actually went two tight ends this week. I have all four of them available. Um, and and what I'm going to do, I 
I, I'm kind of splitting the baby here. It's a little dangerous because you always want to make sure you have something for the Super Bowl. And the way I've got it set up now, I've got Kelsey and Laporta, which if you had Detroit versus Kansas City in the Super Bowl, I no longer have a tight end. Not a good one, at least, you know, throwing out Noah Gray or whatever it may be. Um, so I'm kind of going heavy there. My receivers are thin. For bet, you, you would think, Ray, my team would have a lot more available with how weak they have performed. You know, I've just chosen the wrong guys on the wrong weeks. Uh, you got any other issues? I'm, I'm actually rolling with a lot of San Francisco this week because I just think their matchup against Detroit is one that is more conducive to points than their matchup would be against Kansas City or against Baltimore. So, you know, I, I still like San Francisco to kind of win this thing overall, but I'm I'm using them up in the NFC Championship and not really saving them for the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think I, I'm looking at the Niners as the, the team that's going to merge in the game as well. I'm playing Brock Purdy like on every team. Mm -hmm. I have three playoff teams uh, in the one and done. I'm playing Brock Purdy because, and this is the, the plus and the minus of the one and done, that gets me both AFC quarterbacks next week. Yeah, so I got I'll, the same I'll, thing. Yeah. yeah, so I'm guaranteed of having a quarterback next week, but that means Mahomes or Lamar Jackson's on the bench. And I never play yeah. him, which is <laughs> right. But that's where I'm at, right? And so I think that a lot of these decisions for me are they're made for you, right? Because it's like you're 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 looking at this week with an eye toward next week. And so I I mean my current lineup uh has Ayuk, McCaffrey, and Brock Purdy in it. Because that's that's just the way I'm looking at the, you know, I can save all the AFC guys. I already used Amon Ross St. Brown. I already used Laporta, you know, so I, I've had to work it out that I'm playing a lot of Lions mm -hmm. that I have left and Niners, even though they may not necessarily be the best options this week. Yeah, I'm, uh, I might be rolling Jawan Jenny. I might have five 49ers when it's all said and done. Um, and I still have Debo available. And I just said, hey, if Debo's out, I'm going Jennings. If Debo's in, I don't know if I'm going his direction. It'd be tough. I, I just think that's yeah. too iffy. Uh, to count on him for a full four quarters. Anyway, that's kind of some one and done thoughts. If you've got questions, you know, play off leagues one and done. Let us know in the chat room. Tomorrow we'll do some DFS on the show. We'll also preview these two games. Now, before we leave uh, playoff fantasy football, uh, David in the chat room brings up something. And I had not even heard of this until about, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes ago. But, um, and, and Ray, I can't say that I nor you uh, know much more about this than what is publicly known, you know. Um, but David brings up uh, the NFFC and their playoffs which uh, for a number of years has been a place for people to go. The National Fantasy Football Championship, been going for over two decades. People play season long. They do best ball. They obviously play in the playoffs. And what David was referencing is, Ray, it turns out over the weekend, and, and I think it may have even been the weekend before too, we had two instances where in a particular league, um, in, a, in a money league, I mean, when I think the winner gets like 200K, something like that, maybe it's 20K, but a, a, a league with serious money on the line, it was discovered that after roster lock, somebody went in from the NFFC. And the NFFC admits this. This is not people wondering about. They have now come out and said, yeah, it happened. We fired the guy. Uh, or one of their employees, right, switched the lineups for, for a uh, competitor, for one of their uh, participants in the tournament. And uh, luckily, somebody caught it. Mm -hmm. Somebody in the league, they, they had a time-stamped move that said, hey, this occurred after roster lock and a quick investigation in the NFFC um, has fired the guy. Now, again, no money was awarded until the end of the playoffs. So there isn't any money that has been lost, but Ray, what has been lost, and this is maybe more important than the money is trust. And it's it, it, for people in the NFFC, Ray, we've known those guys for decades. Mm -hmm. um, and I have no doubts about the, the integrity of a guy like Greg Ambrosius, Tom Kessenick. I do not know me, maybe Ray does. I don't know. 
Um, I don't know who had this issue or who did this and who got fired and longtime employee that did this. But Ray, it's the trust factor. And and that, that's what's been lost when this news come out, whether anybody else knew whether it's happened once or whether it's happened 10 times or 20 times, who knows. But this time the person got caught and uh, now everybody's kind of wondering, well, hell, what happened in 2015? What happened in 2018? And it, it throws everybody um, into kind of a tizzy wondering what's right and what's wrong here. Yeah. Uh, and you said it, too. We, I mean, I don't know if it's been two decades I've known Greg and Tom, but it's pretty close. Mm-hmm. And. You know, I I actually worked for the NFBC for a while when we were all at Fanball. This is you know, back 2010. This is, I think, right before Kyle came on. Uh, so I've worked with them. I've had meals with them. I've drank with them till four in the morning. Like, these are good guys. And yeah. so I don't have concerns about them. But, you know, this is, a, this is a tricky situation because, you know, this is this is not, you know, you're angry at your cousin and you kick him out of the league next year. This is for, like you're saying, serious money. So mm-hmm. um, it's unfortunate it happened. I know that they'll obviously, from knowing them, put further safeguards in place to avoid this being an issue moving forward. They fired the guy. I know that doesn't change what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, money wasn't paid out on this instance, to your point, right? Because it's the for the entire playoff. So they were able to, to switch things back to the way they should be. But it's just, you know, it's a stain on the industry and we don't need it. We just don't need it. And, you know, there's already, and Jeff and I in particular have been fighting this battle for a while now and everyone told us we were crazy. We're not, the, the industry is going the direction Jeff and I have said it's going to go for four years now. Everything is slowing down. People are betting more. They're mm-hmm. leaving. They're aging out of the system. That you know, They're not being replaced as much by younger kids. Like this is a problem. And when one of the stalwart spaces, because you and I get asked this question all the time, I'm going to play for money. Where do I go? Yep. NFBC, yeah. NFFC. That's what I always tell people. Have for years. Yep. And I, I would still tell them that t- today, tomorrow. Like, I still mm-hmm. believe in Tom and Greg, but this is something that they're going to have to work through because it's it's a messy situation, Kyle. My brother, there, there was a moment with, and I can't remember, it was Jeff Kings or FanDuel about half a decade ago, you know, and they were starting to take off. And there was an issue with somebody having access after the fact, somebody that was employed by, by those providers. And, you know, it was a scandal and, you know, that's a little more on the sec side of things, you know, people, you know, that, that gets the feds involved with gambling. This isn't considered gambling, but uh, who knows where it may lead, but you know, it was taken care of. The person was let go. Obviously people still wager and play at DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, Maybe you feel like there's a little more um, power behind the name. Uh, because it is a regulated industry. Um, you know, is this industry regulated? It's really not. I mean, it just isn't in the, in the fantasy universe. It, they, these started as, and they're not this way anymore, but they kind of started in the early days of the internet with kind of some mom and pop organizations. And they've grown into bigger and better things and acquisitions and all that. But but it is something, Ray, that just brings up the question of, um, you know, because this is how life is. Outside of someone who commits murder, Usually, if you caught if you're caught doing something, it's probably not the first time you ever did it. Like it goes back to high school, you know. <laughs> you're doing things in high school, you know. It's not like pers- a person cheats on a test and it's the first time they ever cheated on a test. Sure, that can happen, but so often with things of this nature, are serious uh, breaches of trust. You're kind of lucky when you catch it. And, and I don't know if this was luck, but somebody in this league, one of the participants said, hey, wait, look at this, look at this timestamp. And hey, the safeguards in there, it's good they have timestamps. Yeah. You know, one of the reasons you have timestamps is for this situation. 
Um, so it's good that that was put in place and it was caught, but it wasn't caught by the company. It was caught by just a random person who was playing the game and kind of noticed it. So, I, I mean, they fired the guy. I, I know that uh, Greg, Greg, you sit in their you know chat boards or whatever mm -hmm. in their chat. Greg has a, a lot of explanations, so I'm sure people can dig it up. But um, David wanted to bring that up here, and so we didn't want to ignore it. You know, it's not a, a great thing to talk about. And I hate talking about it with Tom and Greg and guys that I know. But hey, that's that's what uh, we're paid to do is to talk about the industry and to talk about uh, what we think and the news that is out there. And that is certainly some big news that is out there today. So we will see what happens and uh, we'll see if any other fallout occurs. Um, you know, people, I, I guarantee you, Ray, people are looking at previous years now to, yeah. to see if, if there was anything fishy. And, and I'm sure the people at the NFFC are doing that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, they had safeguards in place. Too bad it wasn't a little, a little stronger. But again, like you said before the show, when we were discussing this, someone has to have access to stuff. I mean, someone does. And, you know, the timestamp was there. The safeguards worked. Um, I assume it was a one or two off, whatever it ends up being here. And it's not something that's occurred in previous years, but the uh, information's available. Uh, and you know, the NFBC itself is scouring it. The users are scouring through it. And I just, I really hope that nothing else is found, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if it's years ago, cause it's been, you know, what was it? Lawsuits. Yeah. Everybody, yeah, you know, it's a contest and then it's and all it's, over. Yeah. So that I just, I just really hope for mm -hmm. everyone that's involved that this is it for this situation. And if we hear anything or, you know, see anything, we'll make sure to kind of keep you up to date because I know that's uh, something that many uh, people do participate in. Uh, speaking of money, uh, we have been talking wide receivers all week on the show. We've kind of gone through the position, looking ahead, looking backwards, all that stuff. Uh, today we'll look ahead with wide receivers and give you a free agent preview. Um, and Ray, there are a lot of names here. Uh, I kind of grouped them into four categories. The high-end guys, the guys looking for a rebound, the old geezers, who it's probably geezer. <laughs> I'm from 1988. <laughs> the long and the tooth veterans, who it might be over for, and then guys who are just guys. Um, on the high-end, Ray, and these are notable names, T. Higgins, Mike Evans, Michael Pittman, Calvin Ridley. Now, remember, all these guys can be franchise tagged. You don't see that a lot with wide receivers. You know, that's usually reserved for O-linemen or quarterbacks. Uh, we've seen running backs here lately. Uh, but, Ray, I, I think with this crew, it sounds like T. Higgins is, is almost likely mm -hmm. to get the franchise tag. Uh, Evans, Pittman, and Ridley uh, could all be looking for work elsewhere. We'll see with Pittman. I think he kind of fits so well with Indianapolis and there seems to be a mutual interest. Someone like Mike Evans, you know, if you're paying Baker Mayfield, do you have money to pay somebody like Mike Evans? That's a big question for the Bucks. Well, and I think it is a big, it's a huge question, right? Because obviously he's not the offense, but he's a huge part of it, his ability to stretch the field, his ability to go get the football. And, you know, I'm looking at him right now, according to, you know, Sport Track, he's made $110 million in salary, right? And then there's endorsements. And so he's, he's over $100 million. Um, and expecting him not to have bought, you know, 47 Lamborghinis. Like that guy doesn't have any money issues. Does he go somewhere and sign a short-term deal? Give me, you know, 25 million for two years and I want to win. Does he do something like that? Does he say, you know, I want to, I'm going to reset the market. Does he say, I want $20 million a year. Like I, we don't know where he, he's at mentally. Uh, so it, this, his situation will be one to follow. He's had success. He's potentially making the hall of fame. He's made all this money. Is it win time now? Is he comfortable in Tampa? Does his family and friends, you know, all those things play into the decisions that have to be made here. But I think he he could move. And I agree with you on like the Pittman case. I, 
why would Pittman leave? I mean, who knows, right? But that seems mm-hmm. a situation where you'd be much more likely to stay than Evans, who could flew the, fly the coop, as they said. I, I was reading up on Ridley's situation, right? Remember, he was traded from Atlanta to, to Jacksonville. And part of that trade um, was that if Jacksonville re-signed Calvin Ridley, he stayed on beyond uh, 2023, that what had been maybe like a, I don't know, like a fourth round pick or something would become a second round pick. So Jacksonville would in effect be committing to Calvin Ridley and all the money that entails, but also they'd be giving up a second rounder instead of a lower rounder. And I don't know how much of a factor that is in the decision, but, and, and if he signs elsewhere, nobody cares about the picks, you know, it's, it's who cares. But um, I, of those guys, right, let's say, and this may be silly to say, but let's say they would all cost you. You mm-hmm. get any one of them for 15 bill. Who, who, who would you want? Higgins, Evans, Pittman, or Ridley? I w- if, I'm going to use the if, which is impossible. If Higgins was healthy, given his skills and his age, I'd probably go Higgins. I but I don't know. Evans. Yeah, you go Evans? It, maybe I should have couched this like just for next year. Because I, I kind He's of assume you can cut guys, you can dump guys, you know. Right. I'd still be Evans next year. He'd be the guy in one of this crew. Because there's there's a five year difference, which is significant, yeah. right? But if you're saying if you're talking 2024, yeah. I would go with Mike Evans as well. Yeah, I, I mean, there's just been no fade. Guys no, just it really hasn't wrong. It's it's impressive. Mm-hmm. Now the rebound guys, and uh it's it's kind of funny. I maybe I'm giving more credit than these guys deserve, but Ray, how how uh perfect is it? that both Gabe Davis and Mike Williams are free agents this year. <laughs> it's like two of the most frustrating dudes to ever own. Uh, Noah Brown is a free agent this year. You know, he had a couple of huge efforts that got people excited about him. And Marquise Brown is a free agent. And Ray, he's just kind of faded, hasn't he? It Not that he's been bad, but for a variety of reasons, I think, he's just been a dude lately it's like no he's not terrible you know he's better than dj chark or whatever but it's like marquise brown has never reached that potential that so many expected him to reach yeah and i mean not to be you know but he's 5'1 104 pounds he's tiny and you know there are i mean greg dorch on his own team when given an opportunity actually outproduces what marquise brown does most weeks right so i think brown is a an excellent complimentary receiver if he's your wide receiver one, you're done. If he's your two or your three, I think you're in a really good spot. He can sign somewhere and really help somebody, uh, provided yeah. he can stay healthy. But he's just not – he's not built for it. He's not that kind of football player on the field either. He's just not that guy where he should be forced to lead the wide receiving core. And unfortunately, for a good deal of the time with the Cardinals, he's been asked to do that. I, I could see the Raiders, like, trading Devontae Adams and their move is Marquise Brown to team up with Jacoby Myers, you know, something like that. It's like, who cares? Um, Mike Williams, Gabe Davis, Noah Brown, again, rebound guys. Would, would you take a shot on Mike Williams, Ray? I, I wouldn't be a team interested in taking that shot. Every single year, the dude is banged up. I mean, it, hey, one year, three million bucks, let's go. Sure. I mean, I'll take it. It has to be a short-term deal, and it has to be cheap. And we'll, mm-hmm. we, we say, hey, Mike. You know, you kill it this year. You give us a 10 touchdowns, catch 75 passes. Next year, you're getting four years and you're getting 80 million. So it's your call. I might exaggerate a little bit. But you can't give this guy any money. can't. He is a tremendous football player. Tremendous football player. But he just cannot stay on the field. Old guys. Mike Thomas, OBJ. Good luck to those guys. Um, I wouldn't have signed either of them this year. But, hey, 
Both guys got contracts. I, I guess they'll land somewhere. Uh, guys who are just guys, Curtis Samuel, DJ Chark, Josh Reynolds, Tyler Boyd. That's another reason Higgins, right, would maybe get that uh, tag is Tyler Boyd probably moving on. I don't think Cincinnati. Cincinnati has no room to keep a guy like Tyler Boyd. No, and Tyler Boyd, complimentary receiver. In the right yeah. offense and even in this offense, right, he can catch 56, 62 pass. You know, he can move chains and that kind of thing. But, but he's he's not someone that anyone should be spending big money on, especially now that he's 29 years old. And we should note, if Higgins gets that uh, big money deal, that may be the end of Joe Mixon. You know, there's got to be that decision, too. All of a sudden, you start building up this cap. you got to take care of Jamar Chase. Yeah, so Cincinnati, kind of in a difficult spot as they go into the offseason. Anyway, there are names available at wide receiver. We'll see where all those guys land tomorrow on the show. Uh, we'll take a look at the draft class uh, for this upcoming spring. It's a pretty good one at the wide receiver spot. Until then, let's switch gears, Ray, and go to the world of baseball. Uh, spend a good portion of the remainder of our show talking nothing but MLB. Uh, first things first, Joey Votto. Remember him, Ray? It sounds like it's over for Joey Votto. Uh, yesterday, I think it was, the, the Reds president said, we have no intention of bringing back Joey Votto. He's 40. I get it. Um, it sounds like he wants to play, but I, honestly, this is absolutely a guy who if anybody has followed anything on the internet since like COVID, you know, Twitter, Instagram, just general report. I mean, Joey Votto is kind of a hoot Ray and it's really just time to go do something more fun. He's it. That, that's one of those guys, Ray, I got no problem going into the booth, you know, right off the field mm -hmm. and into the booth. Joey Votto is kind of that guy has had a great career. You know, we're in hall of fame week. I wonder if his career has risen to that level. Yeah, there's a most recent picture I saw of him was from a couple days ago where he's out in the storm and his beard's all iced over and he's like, <laughs> and he's got a beanie on, he's got his frozen beard. I, you know, if I'm a team, I'm signing this guy, I'm giving him, you know, three million for a year and let's see if he wants to do it, right? Because I think clubhouse presence and all that kind of stuff, is he a difference maker? Absolutely not. He's not that guy. He hasn't been that guy for a couple of years now. But his, you know, he, he's, a, to your point with the Hall of Fame question, oh, that sounds stupid. Does it? I mean, if you look at his career slash line, it's dipped recently because he's his batting average has gone in such the toilet of late. But 294 average, 409 on base percentage, 511 slugging percentage. I mean, it's you almost he almost has the holy trinity of 300, 400, 500. Right? Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, Ray at OPS over 900. That's yeah. for as long as he's done it. Yeah, I don't know how you can say. I don't know how you can put Adrian Beltre in at 97 percent certainty. And you can't tell me Joey Votto is at 75% certainty? Well, I think it's very – I think a guy that just went in, I would pivot from Adrian Beltre. I would go Joe Maurer. Like Joe Maurer made it, and Joe Maurer and, and Votto in certain respects are similar in the sense that they were great players. Uh, they were all-stars. Both of them had a little less power than was ideal. I know Votto had some seasons, but that was a big you know check against him for a while. He doesn't have enough power. Both guys were accused of being too patient at times, right? And you look at the slash line of Maurer, and it's different. He's a catcher. So PSA 27. It's a big difference. Um, so yeah, Joey Votto. I mean, we said it said it the other day, jokingly around. If Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame, Joe Votto goes in on the first ballot. Now I know that's not how it works, but Joe Joey Votto, damn good baseball player. And I love the fact that he did change from basically being a doubles kind of yeah. hitter to a guy later in his career that found a way to hit for power. He embraced the old man's skills. Yeah. You know, and, and I think and obviously that ballpark helped him throughout his career. And I was just thinking, you know, you mentioned. Hey, if you could bring in a guy and just just roll him out there, and and his season was not that great. I mean, he is forty years old, but I, I you know, I kind of think to myself, Ray, like, um, and unfortunately, Michael Bush is a left-handed hitter, so there's not a platoon here. But like in Chicago, maybe you make him the left-handed DH complement to Christopher Morrell, 
you know, when a right and, and we'll see it. And I don't think there's anything great here, but if the guy wants to play, you think somebody would be willing to give him a $2 million shot in spring training. Come to San Francisco, man. We'll take it. I like, I, we, we, we got rid of Mitch Hanniger. We can just put you in. I mean, they're playing Lamont Wade at first base. Who's fine. They play Flores there. Who's fine. Like they probably, you know, I don't know if he loves San Francisco or not, but you know, I'm sure the giants, I would hope the giants, I should say, I'm not sure. I would hope they would love to have him around. Mm -hmm. Joey Votto, not in your rank. Are you ranking him still, Ray, at first base? Yeah, I think he's in there. Let me verify that. I want to say, yeah, but it's like, but I have him at 48 or something at 48, first base. Yeah, yeah first it's base. like, you know, he's in there. <laughs> if, but... if you're going 800 picks deep, you might be thinking Joey Votto <laughs> um, in your draft. Um, overall rankings. Um, every day, most days, we like to spotlight uh, something that Ray has written up over at Fantasy Guru that is located within the draft guide, which is available right now. You can check it out. Um, and Ray, this is a uh, long-term discussion that you have uh, always, every preseason, wanted to talk about. Um, your distrust, your dislike, perhaps hatred, of overall rankings. Um, something, Ray, that have been a pillar of Fantasy Draft Guides forever. Um, let's see. Here's one, right? Last year, look at all those rankings, right? Yeah. That's, that's uh, 300 guys overall rankings. Oh, here's some too. Look at all these overall. I mean, pages oh, and pages and pages. <laughs> but you hate them. Tell us why. <laughs> yeah, and there's an article at the the site in the draft guide at fantasyguru.com. Again, use that promo code FSD20 for the 20% discount when you sign up. You can see it there on screen too. My biggest issue with the overall rankings list is that. There is no context to it whatsoever. Um, how do you how do you arrive at an overall rankings list? Generally speaking, you put all your projections in. You say, what are the numbers that are generated in the fantasy space in terms of dollars? Here's my overall list. Like what 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 does that tell you, right? Now, you can like in our draft guide at fantasyguru.com, we have auction values, right, for the players, whether you're in mixed, ale, or NL situations. You could conceivably download the files and just put everyone in auction dollar value order and get a rough estimate of this, right? Mm -hmm. You could do it that way. We also have the draft book out in a couple of weeks, a couple, or maybe a month. I forget when I started. The draft book basically takes the ADP and the auction values and puts them together. I don't like it. I hate it. I'm just discovering why that, that is now. There's no context with the overall list. So, you know, your first four picks are all hitters. In your time for your fifth pick, it's probably time to think grabbing a pitcher. If the overall rankings list says grab another hitter, do you grab a hitter? And if you don't grab a hitter, you're not following the overall rankings list anyway. So what value is it of yours? If you have, you know, you've taken pitching and you've got reliever, reliever, you haven't taken a starter. If you're looking at the overall rankings list and it says take a reliever, but you really need a starting pitcher, are you going to take another reliever? No, you're going to take a starting pitcher, which again means you're not even using the overall ranking list anyway. So I think that's the biggest issue, Kyle, is that, that we can all in theory say that Trey Turner is more valuable than, than Hunter Brown or whatever it might be. But until we know what your league setup is, what the size of your rosters are, what the size of your starting lineup is, until we know all those particulars and how the draft is progressing, to me, there's not enough context. And and Ray, that, that applies like to all fantasy sports. Absolutely. Uh, but I think especially baseball, because baseball, to your final point there, what are the requirements? And it's all over the board in baseball. You know, three outfielders, four outfielders, five outfielders, you know, utility guys, how many starting pitchers, SPRPs, you know, two catchers, one catch. Like it's totally all over the board. 
so looking at these overall rankings, I don't even know what sort of league they apply to. Like what's, what's the normal league? What are the, because that does dictate when you take pitching, if I'm in, and let's just exaggerate this. If I'm in an eight team league, which people are, I mean, people mm -hmm. still play in 18 leagues. I, I'm not taking a starting pitcher before the eighth round, maybe, you know? and maybe everybody else in my draft is thinking that way too. So all these guys that are on the overall list in the top 50 as starting pitchers, why draft them if I'm in an 18 league? Um, I, I would guess in general they're for 12 team leagues, but it's very rarely ever mentioned that way. Uh, if I'm in a points league versus a roto league, like all of this just tumbles in. And the other, the other difficulty Ray is, you know, we're all human beings and not everybody's using the same overall list nor do they have the same strategy. So everybody's making picks and you're like, what, really? Like that, even if you got the most informed dudes, right? We, we hang out, um, you know, in the FSGA or Tout Wars or any of this stuff. There are always surprises. Sure. You know, there are people, you know, you're in an auction league and every single book you've ever looked at the year of says, um, no, Shohei Itani is worth $42. Mm -hmm. And he goes for 58 bucks. You know, <laughs> it's like those things happen every in every draft room and every mm -hmm. auction room out there. And it just blows up the whole thing. So important in baseball, Ray, in, in these drafts is you have to be able to think on your feet and adjust based off what that room is telling you and based off of where guys are going. And an overall rankings list does not allow that. It, it locks you in and would leave you lost. I, I'm i almost tempted, Ray, to one time just sit down with an overall ranking list and see what my team ends up looking like if I truly just drafted the next best dude available. If you're going to draft with an overall rankings list, I'm being serious, right? It's the same thing as auto-drafting and letting the computer pick your team. Mm -hmm. yep. It's the same thing. And and would anyone want to auto-draft? No. Has there been a scenario where someone's done it and won? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does anyone, whatever, if I said to you, you're going to auto-draft your team, would you want to manage that team all season long? And you'd say, no, what's the difference here? Because it's the same exact idea. And what happens on those auto-draft teams, right? They end up with three catchers. And it's like, you're only using one catcher. Why? Because the catcher was the highest one. That's dumb. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the twofold piece here that really is important because in baseball, there's the most positions to cover. Catcher, first base, second base, third base, shortstop, outfield, pitcher, starting pitcher, relief pitcher. So we have the most positions to cover of the fantasy sports. And then in a five by five, we have 10 categories to cover. Mm -hmm. So it's exponentially more important to have players rank properly and understand the flow of a draft and understand what your team needs positionally, categorically speaking. An overall rankings list doesn't take any of that into account. It just says, mm -hmm. this is the guy that we expect to earn the most value. He's going to mm -hmm. earn more than this guy. He's more than this guy. Has no context whatsoever. Is it all power that's generating it? Is it all speed? Is it all saves? Is it all strikeouts? Are you using middle infielders? Is it the five outfielders that you talked about? Is it nine pitchers? Like all of these things, you know, if, and, I, and I, I'm thinking back and you, you have that book there, Kyle, maybe you can check. Dude, have you ever seen an overall rankings list that says for a five by five league with 12 teams with 14 hitters and nine pitchers? It, it, I have this never one seen here that. Says, uh, it'll say five by five values. So it does say five by five values. It does not say league size or anything. There's a one that says dynasty, you know, if you were Which, drafting that way, but nothing, you know, if you're in a 15 man league or an eight man league, it's totally different, but there's nothing of, of league size. Right. Located. Well, and I've, and I've seen these, I've been involved in these. We've talked about I've done magazines through the years. 
I don't remember there ever being a key that says that. I don't remember mm-hmm. being a key saying, you know, here's 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 our top 300 for three outfielder leagues. Here's our top 300 for five outfielder leagues. Here's our top 300 for seven starting pitching mm-hmm. spots. Here's for nine. Ter- no, they just throw it out there. Yeah. And it's it honestly, it's lazy analysis because a computer just spits it out and people throw it out there. So whatever, I'm just telling you, whatever you think about the last 10 minutes of a discussion here, don't draft off a top overall list, okay? That's the wrong way to do it for the variety of reasons that we've mentioned and probably some we haven't even mentioned yet, Kyle. Uh, one of the biggies would be what uh, sort of league are you in when it comes to catchers, uh, one or two. And that leads us to discussing the catcher position on this Thursday, the entire week long. We have broken down this spot and talked it over. We always like to lead with a did you know at catcher. So let me start with this one. Deals with Will Smith of the L.A. Dodgers. Um, 39 of his past 263 starts, which is about 15% of his total starts, have been as a D.H. Why is that important? It's important, Ray, because there is no D.H. for Will Smith this year. D.H. is Shohei Otani. And if it's not Shohei Otani with the Dodgers, it's probably one of their other big wigs who needs a day. So I, I, I bring that up, Ray. Will Smith, great player, good catcher. But about 15% of his starts over the last two years have been as a DH. He can't count on all those. That's an average of 20 per season. I don't know if he, maybe it's down to five this year. And that may not sound like much, but it's a did you know? It's something where I'm not saying don't draft Will Smith, but it's an understanding of this position, Ray, where a little bit of his gains played is baked in to being able to DH, which this year with Otani on board no way, no how that he's getting that many DH starts. Yeah, and it's a it's a it's a great position to point out because one of the big keys we talked about this with Ramuto yesterday on the show. And if you miss it, you can always find all the shows on serious. I mean, excuse me, sorry, at, at fantasyguru.slip 40 and slip at fantasyguru.com in the elite plus section. You can also find them on YouTube at youtube.com slash at elite plus network. You can find the show is actually in a podcast form. I know those of you listening know that, but maybe not everyone does. You can get it on Pandora. You can find it on iTunes, all that kind of stuff too, Google, all that kind of thing. Um, we talked about Romuto and the fact that, you know, how his plate appearances are what sets his floor so high. Mm-hmm. He's always in the lineup. When you talk about taking away 10 or 15 games potentially from a player like Will Smith, it's not huge because the catcher position is not overly deep in terms of top end guys. So it doesn't ding him to the point where now he's catcher nine, but if you're sitting there and it's Romuto or, or Will Smith and you want to go Romuto because of playing time, it's fair to consider that because he will lose time at the age. Well, you're already fairly assured, right? They're not, they're going to miss 30 games, just rest. Probably. And Probably. if you take away another 15 now, I mean, they're in effect 50% more rest days than you might expect. So, and again, I'm, I'm just pointing it out with Will Smith. These are things that like a guy like Sal Perez, he can go out and DH every single day. <laughs> the Royals will use him that way. And there are some catchers that instead of a true day off, they DH. Adley Rauschman, you know, how's he get to 145, 150 games? He DHs a bit. Um, and not that Will Smith won't at all. But again, they're they they, they they're paying a guy $2 million this year to be their <laughs> DH 155 times. So maybe if it's based off salary, maybe Will Smith will get more DH at bats than Shohei Atani. Who knows? Uh, but Ray, it leads to our two catcher leagues um, and the strategy that it entails. Um, and I'm glad you put together a little chart, kind of makes things a little simple. I will say this, single catcher leagues, Ray, like if you're in a one catcher league, just real quickly, are we like just ignoring the spot till late? I mean, like Rauschman, he was top 50 in a two catcher league. What is he in a single catcher league? Like a guy like that, the best of the best, how far would he fall for you? 
Well, it's really difficult. I mean, again, we ran that poll that we talked about earlier where 76% of people are in one catcher leagues. Um, the ranking, and by the way, the rankings at fantasyguru.com, and it says this at the top, are predicated on two catcher leagues. Uh, I think, boy, I think it's really tough to me, and I think you're in the same position, Kyle, that both of us have never really been about I'm taking the first, second, third catcher off the board kind of thing. Like that's just not mm-hmm. the way we want to build a team, whether it's a one catcher or two catcher league. I think over the years, we've done a lot of labor drafts together. Uh, and there's always someone in those AL and NL only leagues that doubles up on catchers. They yeah. get two of the top. And that's in the only league. I think you can have a little bit more power there than you would in a mixed league by doing that. But, you know, there there is a there is a significant difference if it's a one or two catcher league in the value of a player. But in both scenarios, am I going to be the guy that grabs Rauschman or grabs Romuto? Or, I'm probably just not. Yeah, I, I think in a one catcher league, like Rauschman, like falls to seventy five or eighty. I mean, I just wouldn't be it. And, and the position, we'll talk about this a little deeper than it has been in the past. So you can get better catcher ones as the ninth and tenth dude off the board. Take us through uh, this page you put together, Ray, for the two catcher setup. Kind of run us through uh, the bullet points you've got there. Yeah, and I think that this is very simplified, but here here it is. The idea, if you're in a two catcher league. What kind of player do you want to target at the position? Because there are kind of, there are basically two buckets and it's not ideal, but it's generic. There's the power hitting catchers and there's the guys that give you a bit of batting average, right? There's very few guys that do it all, which is why guys like Rauschman or Contreras are so attractive because they have the ability to do both. It's kind of one or the other. And a lot of the decision that you make, especially as you get later in the draft where you're, you're saying to yourself, do I go Tyler Stevenson who we talked about earlier in the week? Do I go for him and try to get batting average or do I get Danny Jansen and go for power? The decision you make there is based upon how your team is constructed, which again goes back to the, the first topic we just had. So kind of making that decision, uh, understanding that some of the catchers you take late can actually hurt your team. Mm-hmm. You know, batting 219 with 12 home runs is actually going to hurt your team. So factor that in. Uh, you mentioned this yourself in the Will Smith comment, the role of playing time. How many of these catchers are looking at catching 120 games? How many of them are looking at seeing 15, 20 games out of the DH spot? Figure that out. Uh, That's very important because a lot of these catchers, uh, Ryan Jeffers last year was terrific, but he just kept sharing time with Christian Javier. He didn't separate himself playing time-wise. The batting order position, a guy like Will Smith's in a power spot in a great lineup, uh, then you might see Ryan Jeffers hitting eight for the Twins. Uh, And not only does that affect their ability in the run scored in RBI columns, but it also impacts their overall usefulness in your fantasy game because as we talk about all the time when you drop a spot down in the batting order you lose 15 to 20 plate appearances over the course of the season so your opportunities are just less down the order as well the league size you know as we're talking about here determines 10 team league 15 team league all that goes in uh and then it's a question about when you kind of make that the decision to jump in at that spot Kyle. Mm-hmm. um if i got I was going to say the the low floor I'm looking for with two catchers would be 200 games at least. And I'd aim for 220 between my two catchers. Does that sound about right to you? Or would you give it a, you know, because that's what, it, to me, it really comes down to, Ray, is none of, very few of these guys have superstar abilities. Right. So it's almost like who's going to give me games instead of who's going to give me stats. Um, so I, I kind of put the low bar at like 200 and maybe the sweet spot around 220. Does that sound kind of right? If you pull it up, yeah. If you pull it up last year, there were 26 catchers that played 100 games. So if you're in a 12 team league with two, get 200, saying you yeah. want 200, okay. But again, remember, 
they're, you know, there are also guys I'm looking at right now, like as an example, Sean Murphy played 108 games. He had 438 plate appearances. Uh, Jake, uh, Christian Bethencourt played 104 games, had 332 plate appearances. Oh, so he wow. played four less games and had 100 fewer plate appearances. Huh. So, you know, again, that comes with, did I come in in relief, you know, later in the game for defense? Where am I hitting in the batting order? All that kind of stuff. But I, I would... I would caution people because I used to do this personally. I used to say, all right, like you're saying, give me 200 games, you know, give me this and I'll, I'll take these guys and I'll just wait late and I'll take Jake Rogers and you know, I'll grab Nick Fortas and I'll be fine. And then at the end, it's like you end up with 23 home runs with your two catchers, but they're hitting 219. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the batting average category and it's like, well, dang it. If my team hit two points higher this year, I would have gained three points in the batting average category. So I think there's a fine line with saying I just want playing time. Versus I need to pay really close attention to the players themselves because some of these catchers play a lot and it oftentimes has to do with their defense and not necessarily their bat. On that power average thing, right? I think it's kind of easy and, you know, maybe people have a different specific number, but hey, if I get 18 or more home runs for my catcher, that's a win on the power side. What is it on average? Is it getting a guy who hits 235 or better? <laughs> I mean, what's a win for the batting average at catcher? Yeah, let's let's do a quick search here. So if we set the limit, let's say 250 plate appearances, which is could be someone uses a second catcher. If you 250 plate appearances last year, there were 11 guys that hit 260. Hmm. So and then if you drop it down to 250, it's 16 guys. And then so so really last year, most guys had 300 plate appearances. Only 16 catchers bettered the league average. So that's, that's what I'd say. Maybe it's 250. Yeah, it's 250. And again, some of, some of those names are like Alejandro Kirk we talked about yesterday. But that's that's probably a good target zone. Now, that's not, you know, again, it depends what your team needs and what you're targeting. Cal Raleigh hit 232. Okay, be at 30 home runs, right? Francisco Alvarez hit 209, but he hit 25 home runs. So that's, again, that's the balancing act that you need to kind of read this off of how the rest of your team is being built. You know, so many people have dumped two catcher leagues because of the talent pool and it's not way better, but Ray, it's, you look at this list. There's a lot more depth than I recall from five years ago. Um, And a lot of it's because of a youth. I mean, the the influx of youth here is pretty astounding. When you look at Rauschman, William Contreras, um, Yenner Diaz, then you get to Gabriel Moreno, Logan O'Hoppy, uh, Kiebert Ruiz, Francisco Alvarez, Bo Naylor. Um, who else would maybe be on here? Henry Davis, I guess you could throw him out there. He doesn't qualify catcher yet, I don't think. Oh, no. he doesn't. Okay, okay. He so, played too much outfield last year. Yeah, we may see Harry Ford coming up this year with Seattle. Mm-hmm. Like, these are guys arriving that actually know how to handle a bat. I yeah. mean, of, of that top 15, you know, six of those guys are really young dudes in like year one through two almost. And not all of them are going to be successful, but this is an influx of catchers who actually know what to do in the batter's box. Yeah, and it is slightly rare. Um, if you're a hitter first catcher, you obviously got a chance to get there quickly to the big leagues because there are not many difference-making hitters at the catcher position. At the same time, that's why you know the oldsters always have a job. Why, why, why is Jan Gomes playing every day? Because he's an old guy that knows how to handle a pitching staff. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like that's and his offense is fine, but you know, he's been around forever because he knows how to handle a pitching staff. So a lot of times teams will say, go out and hit 210 with your 298 on base percentage. But if you handle that pitching staff, you know, whether it's the staff in general, whether it's these two guys you got to catch, whatever it might be, you can have a long career. And so it, it is really cool to see 
the catcher position kind of gets some young youth, young youth, young players that have the offensive upside because for the last handful of years, we really haven't seen that. Would you ever draft a third catcher in a two catcher league? I would not. Yeah. Comes up a lot. Uh, I think there are instances where I would, but that is completely dependent upon how my lineups are set each day and all how deep my bench is and all that. As a general answer to your question, I would say 95% of the time, I would not draft a third catcher. It's a waste. Uh, you said it earlier. How many catchers have the, how many third catchers are you going to draft that are going to be breakout stars? None. Like he, Patrick Bailey was a third catcher you drafted. He was fine last year. Did he break out? No. Yeah, so, man, you know what's going to happen, right? People will be taking Ethan Salas, that that eighteen year old. What is he like? Eighteen and he might only be seventeen still. Is he 18 yeah, <laughs> the guy guy's just out of his diapers, and he's yeah. already in like Triple A. That that's going to be the third, maybe even a second catcher that people will take. God, he's seventeen. He doesn't turn eighteen until June. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, because like you're better off, and we've talked about this for years, you and I. You're better off later in the draft taking a chance on a rookie taking a chance on a person that could break out, taking a chance on a middle reliever that could have huge value. That third catcher you take, you're never going to utilize. And number two, the chance of them making some breakout Yiner Diaz type of effort is just really small. Uh, we will talk more catchers tomorrow to wrap up the week. Uh, guys like Ethan Salas will talk prospects, the youth. Some of these guys who are emerging, like the Ohapis out there, uh, such as Salas, such as uh, maybe eventually Henry Davis. Um, Gabe Moreno looked good in October, also good late in the summer. So we'll talk about some of those young guys coming up tomorrow and uh, maybe some final thoughts on rankings with the catchers. Uh, that will take us to the end of today's proceedings. A fun one, a lot of good stuff. Uh, tomorrow we'll get you set for the uh, NFC and AFC championships. Talk some DFS there, more catchers, more wide receivers, maybe more news and notes. Ray will uh, profile another column. Is there anything else you hate? More than overall rankings, Ray, in fantasy baseball guides, or is that it? Mm, and that's probably at the top of the list I really dislike. Uh, but okay. I'm sure if I had some time to noodle on it, I could come up with a bunch of other stuff too. Kyle. Dodgers, yeah, that's anything. Yeah. <laughs> Dodgers, yes. Ray, take it easy, man. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Sounds good, Cal. Uh, great to have everybody in the chat room. Appreciate you on X, YouTube, Facebook, podcast, wherever you're finding us. Back tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern. Kyle Offering, Gray Flowers. It is Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.